Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Central Files Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thanks for joining us today. How's everybody doing? And we're all in their quarantine, staying at home. You know, I don't like to uh, timestamp our shows, but uh, unfortunately during this time, we, we need to. It's impossible not to ask questions about how your life is doing and what's going on during these times, but how are you doing? Give us a call at 515-602-9609. 515-602-9609. We've got a huge audience listening to us today. I really appreciate that. What things are you binging on right now? What shows are you binging on right now? You know, for me, Community just came on uh, Netflix. Community. What a great show. I know everybody's watching Tiger Prince or Tiger King or whatever that show is called. I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't want to watch that show. That show seems like the most negative and narcissistic thing on the planet Earth. So I, I, I negate that show. I, I reject that show. But I do like Community and The Good Place. But I've, I've already seen The Good Place all the way through. So I'm going to watch it again all the way through. The Mandalorian as well. I watched that all the way through. But how's everybody doing? Give us a call. We have Elizabeth Greer on today. I see she's on the line right now. We're going to give it a second. Hello. Elizabeth, you there? Yes, Steve. How hey. are you today? Good. How about you? <laughs> Great. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you, for, thank you for being here today. So before we get started, you know, how are you and your family doing right now during, during, this, uh, during this time? That's exactly what I was going to ask you. <laughs> um, well, I think, you know, we are all in a place of those of us that are, you know, uh, healthy and well right now. I think we're, we're counting our blessings all over the place. Right. It's a whole right. new landscape of uh, gratitude lists, right? Right. You know, a lot of people are, are very, very worried, and, and you know, they're, they're wondering how their family is doing. How's your family doing right now? Is everybody uh, kind of staying to themselves? Oh, thank you so and, and much. Absolutely. Everybody uh, in our family, both here and my extended family in New York City, everybody has moved their various businesses online. I've got a teen at home who's, you know, um, doing her online classes all day. And um, 
close quarters, lots of slamming doors and yelling at each other, but we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I see a lot, we will of take it. a lot of the businesses that are doing very well right now are going online, are doing like Zoom and what have you. So they're, they're doing very right. well. And the, the ones who cannot adapt are the ones who are kind of, you know, struggling behind. I don't know what to say. They, they really are. I, I'm I am so blessed that even though, as you know, my my first yeah. profession is uh, being a full time actress. I'm also an acting right. coach, and I've been able to move my classes and my coaching online, and that's right. a miracle because artists, actors, and musicians, producers, every just just like you, you know that we all yeah. work in ensemble, be it that yeah. it's uh, on a set or on a stage, and sure. It's it's really rough when you don't have community. It's um, right. you've got to get back on there on Zoom or or anything, even FaceTime. We're, we're having our uh, my daughter make sure she FaceTimes several friends a day. That's my idea <laughs> because she's a very social kid, and I think that you know we all can get to the place where we're just kind of curling in a ball, and it's not good right. for anybody. Hey, you, people are saying like, you know, there's just been like an uprise of divorces right now at COVID-19, but I can't imagine even <laughs> yeah, if you get divorced, yeah. you can, right? <laughs> I can't even imagine that, you know, during the coronavirus thing going on right now that you can, you can right. literally get divorced and like leave the house. Like you're going to stay in the house while you're getting the divorce. <laughs> like my husband said to me many times when I've said I'm leaving, he has said, and where do you think you're going to go? <laughs> stay in the hospital for six months <laughs> i mean right i'm very very blessed to be married for 18 years so that's a joke folks but no it is true like where are you gonna you're gonna slam the door yeah. and run out into the center of the field and scream no it, it, is, it is really interesting i do yeah. think though that just like for example i don't know are, are you a parent steve no i'm not a parent yet no you you give birth to these shows which is the same yeah. damn yeah. thing so, um, you know, I think just like a lot of parents like myself, when, when you add a baby to the marriage, it doesn't right. fix things. It makes it more pressurized. So when everybody's right. indoors in a, you know, and in a tiny, tiny space, it doesn't fix things. It makes it more pressurized. So I, I, I think I, I, everybody I, has to. I'd imagine that it would add please. perspective to, to your existence and, and add perspective to oh, what, yeah. what your future is going to be from that, that point on. It, it really does. We've been doing things that we wouldn't normally do together on a daily basis. Like we've been doing um, yoga and Pilates classes as a family. We've been playing categories as a family. <laughs> we've been walking around the block several times right. as a family. Um, and in a way that, you know, reading things together as a family and normally right. everyone's too busy for every, any of that. Right. So hey, have, you, um, have you been part of that zoom cocktail nights at all? That's so funny. Well, as I'm running two different sold out Zoom acting classes, by the time wow. I'm done with that, I don't really want to talk to no one. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, actually, it's funny you should say that. No, that makes honest, sense. You, two of my female best friends who've never met each other because they're in t- yeah. entirely different professions right. had a birthday. Uh, a couple nice. of days ago on the same night and I was swiping between one Zoom birthday party and another Zoom birthday party and I just thought wow. this 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 is really this is really something. One group of girls holding cocktails and on the floor and another group of girls holding cocktails on the floor <laughs> that have never met each other. That's very sweet. <laughs> 
So we're, we're doing social distance from such a different perspective. You know, you mentioned your family from New York, so you're not an L.A. native at all. So you're, you're mostly from the East Coast. Not at all. I am. Uh, I am. A, I was born in New York City, and I was raised largely in Manhattan and also in the, in, in the outer borough of Westchester. I did wow. my... My undergrad schooling of NYU, um, where I went to Tisch School of the Arts and right. studied under Stella Adler. I was in New York, and then I stayed in New York for several years before I went on to get my Stella Adler is fantastic. Stella Adler was – I really had two dream gurus right before they, they passed on. One was Stella yeah. Adler at NYU, and then I acted in – New York doing quite a bit of off-Broadway and Lincoln Center and those sorts of things. Nice. And I went on to get my my graduate degree at Yale School of Drama, which is in you know New Haven. And um, right after that, um, I had come out here to L.A. But I would say that all my formative years. Right. And I know, I know we're going to get to this later. Uh, hence yes. disco, hence clubs, hence music. I was a New York City club kid. <laughs> From 15 on, and that I think that that concrete will always be in my blood. My wonderful husband was born in New York, but raised entirely out here. So really, um, but my entire extended family is in Manhattan, and um, as I'm sure you know, that's that's a rough place to be right now. I, I, I like the fact that you separate Manhattan from New York because anybody who who was born in New York knows that Manhattan and New York are not the same place. Correct. Yes. Correct. You know that's actually really well put. Um, yeah. And what and what state are you in right now? I'm in Los Angeles right now. That's what I thought. So you are you yeah. LA born and bred yourself? I was LA born and bred. Uh, half of my family's from New York, and and you know I'm a first generation American, so a lot of my family comes from either Japan or from Italy. So. Wow! 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 And what's happened? Do you have do you have uh, family in both? countries right now? Yes. Family? You know, I, have, I have family most in Italy. Uh, the, the family mostly in mm. Japan mo- moved somewhere else or, or died off during uh, World War II. But in Italy right now, you know, I have a lot of family right now and we're really worried about them during this coronavirus because uh, it's hit them very hard. Uh, fortunately and yeah. unfortunately, it's really hit the northern part of Italy, not the southern part of Italy like Sicily and, and Calabria and what have you. So it hasn't really mm. hit my my family too hard, but uh, but it, it's it's troublesome. It makes you it makes you worried a lot. But you know the of interesting course, thing of is of course it, it does. Yeah. Well, the interesting no, thing right now is that it, it doesn't really matter about your age or anything like that anymore. I mean, you can be 30 years yeah. old and and it affects you. You can be 90 year old and it doesn't That's affect right. you. I, I saw this World War II veteran who's he's like 99 years old and he's like world war ii didn't kill me and neither's the coronavirus and he survived it yeah so it's it's amazing how it is it's it's almost picky on who it chooses my own father said the same thing Uh, my own father actually was born in austria and said the exact same thing and um you know uh to make a long story short was was smuggled by my late grandmother out of Austria and, 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 you know, just by the skin of his teeth to survive. Um, And he said the same thing, you know, and then, and then he of course was in the military himself. And so he was saying that, you know, they, 
it's like reliving it all over again, but in just such a different perspective. Um, right. Right. And that one, of course, is men killing men and another is a virus. Right. And it's interesting. There were actually a lot of, you know, Holocaust references that I've heard lately of, it feels like that again, the, the hide, you know, the hiding, the not going out, the, um, you know, uh, lack of supplies, lack of medical care, uh, lack of, um, the fear, the fear, the terror, the, you know, hard, hard to find out exactly what's going on precisely with people um, and, and what to do to help. So this is the strangest of times. And I, I, I guess it's, it, 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 it's so, it, you know, it's such a catchphrase, a gratitude list, but it's almost like you have to make one every hour. Right. You know, to you know be what? alive and well. I'm so, I'm so glad that we had so many years after World War II of, of just glory. And, and you know, it, when you look in the past two years of people who were like in an uproar and they were angry about the, how the country was going and they were mad about how life was going, it puts things in perspective of how good we had right. it when we were able to like yell in, in front of each other and yell in each other's faces. I mean, we don't have that oh moment God. anymore. We have to do it online and on Twitter, on Instagram. It's incredible. That, oh, you know, that's so well put. Isn't that interesting? You're yeah. right. You're right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. When people used to go out and sing, give peace a chance. Now we're just screaming yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. You know, th- thank God I'm, a, you know, I, I do have a, a Twitter account, but I, I don't make any Twitter comments at all. You know, I've, I've had friends who've been in the cancel culture in, 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 yep. in the movie industry because they've made one wrong comment and then they're canceled uh, for, for I'm one so glad you, should, you, 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 you should say that because I, I do get asked, um, as I'm sure many, many actors, musicians do, um, you know, all year round to do radio interviews. And, and what I loved right. was that I saw that you weren't leaning toward, um, you know, any um, political ramblings online right. because I, I'm, I'm completely against that. And I was, I right. was very interested in the fact that you seem to be coming completely from a place of inclusion and, um, you know, empathy well, you know what, and I, not. I, I don't like, I don't like time stamping my episodes and, and you know, I'm going to last longer. Right. My radio shows are going to last longer than any kind of political right. regime or, right. or any kind of discombustion or, you know, any kind of anger that people have. This is going to last longer. So there's no reason for me to play into that. Right. And there's no reason, you know, we all know that, that a Twitter rant, I mean, that's probably the last thing that's going to change anything if you do want to change oh, yeah. something. <laughs> Right. You know, I, I don't understand um, why people family, think that, that some kind of Twitter rant is going to somehow do them any good. If anything, it's going to make people more angry and isolate you more right. from your more from whatever audience you're trying to create. That's exactly right. My husband is a, a civil rights litigator and um, well, inclusion has, has always been everything that we and our, our household is about, be it community service inclusion you know um anything about non-discrimination so anything where you are you know by mistake uh, one way or another um or not mistake exclusion you know and uh, and elitism in your own mind of whatever think you group you think is more special where we don't we're not about that so right right um yeah 
I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. You know, one of my favorite shows is, is the West wing. And I noticed yes. that that was, that was one of your first gigs, you know, it was. that was a great, that was such a great show. It really was. And I got hired onto the pilot episode of that. Um, wow. Obvious, obviously, um, Aaron Sorkin, um, who we, we, even though we're, um, let's say from slightly different eras, we, we right. lived in the same locations at different times. And um, he's a New Yorker, as of course you know as well. I was very lucky to work with him. Um, he's certainly one of the most you know, uh, prolific writers, obviously, and, and storytellers in the business. Um, I think it was fabulous that, you know, I remember that he, they used to say uh, one of his taglines, I think this is before there were even hashtags, but one of his taglines for the show was something like, um, I'm, I don't want to misquote Aaron Sorkin, but it was something right. along the lines of, uh, you know, we're not, currently in communication with the current administration. <laughs> in other words, we have our own administration going on. Right. Like that, but we're not currently. In, yeah. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, That's fantastic. You yeah. Know, the, pre- the president um, from that, from that show, he's on, you know, Gracie and uh, Frank and Gracie. So um, I, I, I love that show. I love that show on Netflix. It's, it's amazing to see him play like such an opposite character to a certain extent. Have him play like a like a gay man who's who's married to a, uh, another man and that's right and uh, and okay. then they divorce. Oh, like I was I was obsessed with that show. I did six seasons of that show in like literally a month, and I waited for that seventh season right there. But how how was it like playing with those characters who are really you know iconic nowadays? Um, and yeah, it's on Netflix, I mean, by I the had... way. Sure, sure. Um... I mean, I feel like I've been incredibly blessed to play opposite, you know, um, all kinds of folks in this business who are highly awarded right. for one of many different talents. I've, I've, it, it's an incredible blessing to, right. when you're, if you're ever cast opposite, you know, an, an A-list star, so to speak, um, because you know that there's a good chance that they've earned that and that they're, you know, I've, I've been very lucky to appear on all kinds of what, what people would call, let's say uh, high level network or premium cable or those kinds of things shows where you're going to get some of the very best of the best writing. A lot of those people started as playwrights. Um, the, a lot of those showrunners started as playwrights, uh, including Aaron and, and countless others. Um and you're going to very oft times be acting opposite people who, like myself, are coming from that kind of theater training and those kinds of chops where you get to really just dive into a very deep playground with people who are at the top of their game. And it's like, what more could you ever ask for in your life? So as what, what every that? time you work in this business, it's a miracle. Oh, absolutely. What, so what I count every like, blessing. What is it like playing with, 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 other actors who are on, on such a level of professionalism that, that to bounce back on them is almost to bounce back on a, on a real person. Uh, what is that feeling like? I, that, that's exactly right. Um, well, you know, it, 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 it's, it's I, I can't think of a greater luxury, 
you know, um, for me, and I think it's this way for so many actors. Um, when I coach actors, I always say um, the vacation, right? For an actor, right. is not a vac- it, the vacation, right? You know that because because you yourself are a producer, writer, second AD, everything yeah. <laughs> actor. Yes. Um, um, so the vacation isn't lying on a beach, right? The vacation is where the action is, which is on set. Um, there's nowhere I'd rather be in the world than on set. There's no vacation. Although I do like skiing a lot, but there's no, there's no vacation (laughs) that can come close to me, uh, to being on set uh, or on stage. That's that's where the party is. Does it make it easier to play with characters that the bit or people that really know their character, really know their lines, really know who they are as, as actors, or does it make it a little more complicated? Oh, absolutely, okay. absolutely no. It, that's when it's smooth as silk. I always say to the actors I coach, same thing with writing. Um, there, there's writing, as you know, on so many series now. I wouldn't even be able to count where the writing is so stellar. That as we used to, I'll, I'll quote a wonderful um, master Shakespeare teacher of mine from Yale Drama School, who said maybe she was quoting someone else, but there's a saying that even the worst actor playing Hamlet will get at least one thing right. Right. And I just love that. That's that's exactly like what this is when you're playing opposite the best of the best and and usually if the best of the best is on set it means that the writing is the best of the best which is why they've elected to do that show then it's you don't even feel the work it's just like you'll get at least one thing right because you're surrounded by the best of the best and you can't be it's really agony when you know if you if a lot of actors, you know, when we're starting out in our careers, sometimes we just have to just, just get on set any way we can. And maybe the writing um, is a student film by an ambitious young writer who doesn't quite know how to write yet or quite know how to shoot yet. And that's where you're really sweating hard for the money because you've got to make something out of nothing. And that's its own wonderful challenge. But when it's all there for you, you just go in and it's a playground. You know, you just you just bring your toys and you play. Absolutely. You know, I want to talk to you about another show that you were on. That is one of my favorites. I mean, <laughs> The West Wing is, is definitely a great show, but the, Sh- the Shield is one of the shows that I was obsessed with for a very long time. Yeah. And I actually saw the episode that you were in. I, I love The Shield. Mm. That that show is amazing. It was such a classy production. Yeah. It was such a classy production through and through. And that was, um, again, one, one of my earlier gigs out here, one of my, one of my first gigs out here. And I remember that that was one of the shows and and I've been on several that have done this, that Right. right after, you know, after you guest start on a show like that, you immediately get either an email or even a treat from the show thanking right. you for helping them make art. And that's so right. rare. Um, when I was on really? Ray Donovan, it was the same situation. Um, I got a a fabulous sweatshirt that on the back says Ray Donovan Fight, Fight Club. It's like a zippy <laughs> that they sent out to their um, recurrings. And, you know, it was something along the lines of The Shield. If I, I, mean, I don't I'll, I really have to look up that email, but it was someone at the top of the food chain that sent a, we just want to thank you from everyone here from the shield for your performance. You know, those sort of things you're like, Oh my goodness. Like this really is 
a community, and that I, really I, was I, what I, I thought it was. I can't believe they did that. It, that's, that, that's shocking to me. It's very it was, classy. It, yeah, it was such a popular show. I mean, it, it, it is art because they did follow a streamlined uh, episodic period. So it was very much like, okay. a, like a like a like a like a daytime soap opera. It really was, but with guns. You know, it's anger. funny you should say that. But, I want to. I want to get back to that. Go ahead, please. No, please go ahead. No, I'd love to hear the end of what you were saying, and then I'm going to tell you. So you know, it, about what it, you did, it did feel a lot like a soap opera. You know, where it, it was episodic. It, it definitely was going mm-hmm. in a direction. It didn't. It didn't have standalone episodes necessarily. It was really linking right. towards the direction, and every single person paid a price for the actions that they did. Every single person so paid then, a prize. So then you're obviously a trained a professional yourself if you're using words like pay the price because that, I think, was one of the first terms I had learned from Stella Adler, that a, a performance, a show, yes. a script, it has to be about paying a price. But what I was going to say, because right. that was just it's such a brilliant thing that you said about it being like a soap opera because um, to quote a director friend of mine, um, he believes that every show is a soap opera. And I, right. I, I actually recently had the pleasure of being on General Hospital. We can talk about that later. But what That's he was saying is sort of, you know, shows are formulaic, right? And, of course, the, a lot of the point of a show is to tune in again and see what happens. Right. Right. So that, I mean, in that way, many, many, many shows can be looked at as soap operas because that is the point. That's the fun of it. What's going to happen right. next week? Right. And it's, that's always fun to be part of a story like that where you're just, you know, then you know that um, the show is doing something right. If you can't wait for, if you're, as they would say, jonesing to see. Right. The next right. What was great about The Shield was, was you know, he, he caused so much violence. Uh, during during all the shows, he, he brought so many people into destruction and e- episodic uh, um, mm-hmm. torture. And to see that the yeah. last episode where he is stuck behind a, a, a desk, you know, answering yeah. phones was, was was really his hell. You know, it, for a lot That's of people, right. it didn't make sense to them, but but it, it made sense right. to me because that was his hell was to be yep. was to be a bureaucrat. And that's exactly that's right. what he was at that moment. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. That's so well put. And everyone's hell is different. Sometimes someone's hell is um, actually, um, I'm, I'm actually referring to um, David Mamet play all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. One of my favorite plays, Edmund. Oh, yeah. Um, which... Um, it exemplifies the fact that, you know, it starts with the guy sort of just super irritated w- with his wife at home in hell. And then he finds his own nirvana behind bars. Right. right. So it's sort of that <laughs> in reverse. You never know where yeah. someone's hell is and where someone's heaven is. Right. Well, that's very interesting because, you know, everybody's karma is not the same, you know, karma, karma doesn't necessarily mean death. I mean, everybody's karma is a little different. And it's based upon who you are as a human being and, and what your greatest fear is and what your greatest luxury is a lot of times. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. Um, and just speaking about, about all these different areas of um, of, of the, the business that you and I are in, or maybe we'll have to have our own interview where I interview you because I see <laughs> that you have so many interesting credits yourself. It's really hard to – be all the things that you are, a director, a writer, associate producer, second AD, 
most people don't get to go all over the map like that, and I think one must feed into the other. Right, right. Well, I, I see how I see how you 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 bounce around, how you're very adequate about about the direction you're going in. It's, it's very streamlined and not to a certain extent linear, but it does it does lend right. to itself. It's really wonderful. Um, so there's another show that I, I really love, which is Charmed, which which was your your part of. Oh, I had such fun on that. Yes. <laughs> Alyssa Milano's fantastic. How, how was that? How was that show? That was a blast. You know, it's funny because, um, as you know, with actors, um, we have to constantly update our reels. And I don't know that if Charmed is still on my reel, but I'll have to send you that clip because I turn into a demon. And so that was my first fun experience with, you know, um, prosthetics yeah. and that kind of thing. I and, saw Oh, you did. Okay. So you're yeah. awesome. You're already yeah. researched out. So yeah. um, it was absolutely delightful. I mean, so isn't it interesting, you know, as, as somebody who's worked on so many different sets for so yeah. many different reasons, every set is so different, right? Yes. Just, so many different personalities, like be, so many different people, yep. so many different flavors. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like being in, I mean, I just call a set a party. So even though it's, right. it couldn't be more serious, right? Um, it's it's like seven different people's Thanksgivings or dinner parties, and every set has its own personality. That was, again, a particularly inviting experience. The girls were absolutely lovely. Um, I had so much fun. That was one of those, because I was in the makeup trailer so long because of the makeup they were doing and stuff, sometimes I'll just really befriend the makeup and hair people because I just right. find their artistry to be so interesting. Yes. Um, for example, um, when I was at Yale Drama School, I was very close with some of the costume designers. I just found what they did, you know, some of the lighting designers, you know, as time goes on, you kind of see how all of these people are helping you more than you could ever imagine. So I was so fascinated with the technical aspects of things that they were so proficient at that it was just like its own little interesting education and all of that itself and how very seriously, you know, all these professions are taken as well. They should be. It's not just like, yeah, there's just this makeup dude, you know, he'll just put some base on you or something. No, like right. this, this is as, as complicated and, and precise an art as, as lighting, as sound, as acting, as right. anything. Right. And they so all, they all take was, their professions very seriously. Every single and, one of and, them. and they should because they're artists, yeah. you know, and yeah. artists are not taken seriously enough. And precision is everything um, right. on the set. So right. um, the, the, all of these things are an incredible gift uh, to be a part of sets that are so radically different, shows that move on so differently through from, from A to B, you know, right. Right. Um, in all their genres, right? Be it network, be it premium cable, be it something like, you know, um, something pointed towards a different market like Charmed, uh, be it a soap, things commercials, they all, um, they're all a different genre. That's something else I teach in my coaching quite a bit. Just, I think like people, uh, musicians would teach different genres of music, you know, Um, genre is, is everything. I think, have you found that in in your areas behind the camera and all that? 
Absolutely. I'd love to hear well, about that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, I want to talk to you about a little bit of like Yale Drama School because, you know, do sure. my research. You know, I, I, I did not even know that, that Yale had that, that option out there at all. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it might be a little bit more known um, on the East Coast, perhaps. Right. But um, yes, Yale um, undergrad is um, does not have that option per se. There is a wonderful undergraduate um, acting major that's not necessarily a conservatory. Um, but a conservatory is the same thing like what I did at Tisch. So I actually did the same thing twice because I guess I couldn't get enough of it. And a conservatory means that your education is, you know, anywhere between 60, 70, 80% to almost 100% right. in moving through the day of classes in that said art. So a BFA, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Acting, right. and an MFA, a Master of Arts in Fine Arts in, in Acting, would be um, that every day is spent in classes all day and all night, and then every night is rehearsal. So classes might look like this, a voice class, a speech class, a movement class, a text analysis class, a character development class, a Shakespeare class, so they're going for the well. They're going for the well-rounded. So they're going for the well-rounded activity for for an actor or a creator. They um, are, and it's quite an honor. I also coach kids um, for those auditions now that I'm on the other side of all of that really? for their wow. undergraduate and graduate auditions. That's one part of my coaching practice that is very prevalent. Um, it's murderously hard. These schools require multiple callbacks. I actually have an article that is on my coaching website. Uh, Backstage Magazine asked me to write an article this year as an expert coach on college auditions. And, you know, for numbers like graduate school, for example, where they take um, my year was seven women a year and 10 men a year throughout the entire country. Jeez. The numbers are crazy, and so um, kids will come to me and work with me for anywhere from a few months to a few years for that audition, and what I enumerate in that article, and the reason why I was asked to speak on that article is the difference between how it was, let's say, in my day, uh, in, in, in my teens and 20s in those auditions, right. and how it is now, right? And so how it is now is that, like all businesses, everything has become 10 times more competitive and 10 times as hard. Hmm. So schools that didn't necessarily used to even have callbacks will have even up to four callbacks now. Um, Some of these schools, Yale, Juilliard, NYU, you've got to go through multiple callbacks, some of which result in you actually, for example, Juilliard having to be at the school for up to a number of weeks while they watch you. Right. And then in my day, you never had um, tape-in options. And so many schools, undergraduate, you must tape your audition and send it in to or- in order to be even invited to audition in the first place. Yeah. So that never happened in my day. You just applied and then did one live. But right. now, um, for example, a school like Carnegie Mellon, you've got to tape one 
got to wait right. to hear if they're even going to give you an audition. Then you've got to get through that audition. Then you've got to get through callbacks, interviews, all this stuff. Because ever since the explosion of um, media, right, as you and I know, you can right. be on Instagram, you can be on TikTok, you can be on anything you want anywhere. So everybody sort of, it's that, it's that celebrity culture, that fame culture. And so well, let, let's, these let's talk applic- about that a little yeah. bit because that, that's the question I want to ask right now, which is, you know, in our day, you know, you're right about Juilliard. You know, you, you couldn't tape an interview. You had to go in, you had to do your thing. NYU, you had to do the same thing, a written interview, right. go in for your interview. Nowadays, there is Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, which is technically owned by the Chinese, by the way, as, as, as a foreign object. It, it's very, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. Uh, a lot of people were afraid that they were stealing your information, but nobody cares anymore because they have like four billion viewers. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So, so nobody cares anymore. So yeah, you're right. No but, one but, cares but, anymore. It's like nobody me. cares anymore. Yeah, just fill me, please. God, give me, give me, give me money. And a lot of those people are making money off of TikTok and what have you, off the of interviews and what have you. So how how is it different now compared to our day? When teaching somebody, I mean, are people saying like, you know, I don't need this anymore. I, I've got TikTok. I don't need some more. I've got yeah, Instagram. That's, that's, that's really, really, really well put. Um, so, and I will go ahead and pass you that article. Um, but to make a long story short, it's, it's become fascinating because part of what I talk about in this article is, you know, what that said asked is, is can you tell me all of the technical ways in which things are different now, right? So I wrote something where I, where I started the paragraph with in ye olden times, even though we know, Steve, that you and I are both 25 years old. But right. thank you. I'm on. So, um, but in ye olden times, um, yes. you would, um, just like auditions, just like I'm sure music sessions for people, you go in. It was a people right. business. You chat a little bit, joke a little bit. Maybe your monologue was three minutes. Oh, no, 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 no. Because now of time, you know, um, attention spans and whatnot, right? Right. This has been the trick for my students, which is nuts. Now auditions, if they're taped, depending on the school, they will be anywhere between 90 seconds to 60 seconds. So you might have 60 seconds in a tape to make an impression where you're up against Three, four thousand people. Same thing with self tapes for series. That's insane. That that means you know the first three to four seconds. If I'm as as the administrator, or the showrunner, if I'm not there with you after four seconds, it's over. I don't care if you worked on this for four years. Would, would you say that the administrators' times, uh, you know, mind spans have shortened up? Would you say that it's it's their it's their position that their patience has loosened? Or would you say it's really? I think that's that's a wonderful question. I think that's a wonderful question. So many of these administrators are from our day, and that they really came up in a world where you had a longer attention span, where you were thrilled to sit through a two-hour Broadway show or you know a long a long film, thrilled to sit through a three-hour Scorsese film. So I don't think it's on. I don't think it's on purpose, but. I do think this, and it's the same for me as a coach. I know it's the same for my casting director friends because I'm friends with so many of them. That fortunately or unfortunately, in the first three or four seconds, we now can literally see whether or not someone has it. Whereas maybe 
in the past we'd give it a, a beat or two, but right. now, you know, if I'm a good 30 seconds into something and I'm just going, I don't, I don't, I'm shrugging, I'm scratching my head here. I don't see anything worth watching past this 30 seconds or right. 60 seconds. Then I think we're going to move on. Not because we have become short with people or bratty or, trying to be like millennials, but I think we're all reprogrammed that way a, a bit. Sure. Are you? Yeah, you know, I've, I've worked at Ocean Park and Jody Sonnenberg sure, and Anya Mark for, for casting. That's how, I, uh, that's how our paths have crossed, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I, I've seen the attention span loosen up as the time has gone on, as, as Instagram has shown up, as Facebook has gone into the distance, as TikTok has caught up. I've seen a lot of people just kind of lose their grip on the time scale and want to see something within 10 seconds. I want to see something within 10 seconds. Oh, no, no, absolutely. And then it's down to, and you know from working at Ocean Park then and all those places with with so many buddies of mine run commercial sessions um, that now they're saying, yeah, it could be all about the slate and same thing for all these schools. If you're late, you know how many people I've given recommendations about that slate. You know, I, I give yeah. so many recommendations on the slate. It's like, you know, it's funny because you, you, you see the actors walk up and they won't smile. But as soon as they'll go up to the slate, they'll start smiling. And I'll go like, listen, you need to smile from the beginning that you walk in to the time that you're shot to the time you walk off. Do you remember when they when that um, when that saying was going around uh, resting? Let's let's put it to you this way: be with an itch face. Right. When I see your <laughs> when I see your resting, be with an itch face, and you look like you're in hell, and then you go into you know that that chipper Best Buy commercial doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, you, you always need to have a very you know when you go into casting, you always need to have a very positive attitude. I mean, you go in there. Whether, whether it is union or non-union, you really need to go in there. Oh, with that's a well very, Yeah, you need to go in there with a very positive attitude. You need to smile. And whether you're a guy or a girl, I mean, I know how women just, you know, I know how that's turned into a negative when women are told, you need to smile more. But in reality, when you go in the Yeah, casting, I don't have an issue with smile. that either. I, yeah, I agree with you. And, and my husband, you know, fights for women's rights as part of his entire practice. I don't understand that aspect to it. I don't feel insulted right. if someone says, can I see a smile? I, I, I don't know. I, I, there are a million ways. Neither to do that. I. I'm, not person, I'm not personally offended. I can see why somebody might be uh, in certain circumstances outside of entertainment if they're asked right. to do that. But, um, you know, nothing, as you and I know in the arts, nothing come, can come from a place of stress or negativity, right? Everything has to come right. from a place of, be it stillness or stillness and I think a glass half full attitude right I've seen you I've seen you you go into casting before I've seen you that's one of the reasons why I friended you on on Instagram Uh, I've seen you go into casting before and you've always been a very strong professional human being a very strong professional I fooled you too I thought I only fooled 99% of the people in this town I guess it's 100 (laughs) Well, you came in. You came with the. You came in with the attitude that you left with. I'll say. I'll say that. Okay. You came in with the attitude that you left with, which was very important for people to see because you know n- nobody wants to see phonies where you know somebody comes right. in with kind of an, a, a bad attitude. They smile on camera and then they loosen up, and it's like no, you, you know, it's 
you either you either want this part or you do or you don't want this part. And, and right. casting casting's incredibly fickle. I was casting a movie for for my friend Doug Jones's uh, Nosferatu. And I brought in. Uh, oh yes, of course, I love that. Yeah. It was fantastic, and I, I brought in a good friend of mine, who was a very famous actor, and they didn't like him within a minute. And, and he's, they loved him as sure. a human being, but they didn't, they didn't like his acting for this part. And, and we both know that, that casting is fickle. It's very fickle. It's not necessarily personal. And, 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 and that's perfectly fine, you know, because people are fickle. And right. once we start going down that road, then we're talking about, I don't know, some generated mind control app or something. Right. I totally agree with you. You know, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm just like you, be it that, um, you know, I've interned at many casting places, um, be it summer internships or, you know, undergrad, um, you know, helped on projects and um, there should, there should just never be an attitude. Um, Somebody, there's a great quote from uh, one of my, from my undergrad years, Mr. Philip Seymour Hoffman, one of the most beloved actors in the world. We've all seen that clip going around. Somebody's paid. Right. And I, and again, I don't want to misquote him, but it's along the lines of if somebody's paid to rent a room to have you come in for a valid sure. project, you know, that's, that's a gift, that's a party. And you're lucky to have the invite. Um, sure. And if you find that an inconvenience, you are most certainly in the wrong business. Because again, like I just, right. like you and I were talking about earlier, that's where the party is. So right. Yes, traffic's a nightmare. Yes, you've got to memorize lines or not, right? Yes, you've got to play with people and this and that. But, again, if that's not little cobblestones toward the party, then I don't even know what we're talking about. Then just do another wonderful area of the art, like write poetry, paint right. at home, you know, <laughs> compose at home. And all of those things are wonderful, but you don't necessarily have to get out there and find a parking space and be happy about it. You know, you, you you bring up a, 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 a you know one of these fabulous stories that I have, and I won't name the names. I, I never do, but this one actor during during a Nissan commercial, uh, he was late. Mm-hmm. And and you know, if you if you work on commercials, you you have to call their manager immediately and say, where are they? They're exactly, late. that's right. But I call I call time the is person. Money. Time is money, and you're late, and we need to get you in there because there's a certain amount of time, and we're gonna leave soon. But I called him mm-hmm. personally instead. So I called mm-hmm. him personally. I said, where are you? He started so yelling classy. at me. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to call his manager. I, just, I wanted to get to him first, you know. But he started yelling at me and cussing at me on the phone. Yeah. And when he you came know, I in. Hope actors are, I hope a lot of your actors are listening to this right now because I've actually <laughs> never heard of that kindness before. They I are. Mean that. I've never heard of that kindness before. It's we, we've always got a, we've got a gone huge right audience. to the rest. We've got a huge audience listening to right now. We've got at least 13, I see 1,300 people are listening to right now. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, I remember this person was yelling at me, cussing at me. And then when he came in, I was the casting director. And I looked him right the face yeah. and he goes, who called me? And I said, it was me. And the, the look on his face just dropped. Just dropped. And I, I, I told yep. him, I'm not, gonna take, I'm, not, I'm not taking it personal, but we need, we need to hurry up. We need to go. That reminded me a lot of, of, of every artist, every actor out here better be listening to this because it is unheard <laughs> of to have that kindness. The call goes to your rep as well. It should. Right. And your rep it then should. says, I don't know where you are, but if you don't get there, you're dropped from our list. Exactly. So yes, shit happens, right? There's right. 
car accidents or fires. But it was this kind of attitude and that, that he didn't see if it were me as an actor. And I pride myself on being as early as possible. I like to get somewhere an hour early just to meditate <laughs> and, Absolutely. you know, that kind of thing. Like, but, it's amazing but, that these people think you, that everyone's like right in a helicopter. Right. If it had been me and you'd done me the courtesy of that, you would have had flowers at your door the next day because that's an unheard of piece of generosity that you did that. Yeah. I mean, you, you went out you of your call way him. not to get him in trouble. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to call his manager up and get him in trouble because I, I knew for a fact he was, he was late for some odd reason, but he's in trouble. And he would have been in trouble. He would have been in trouble. That just shows what a lovely human being you are and why you like, like, uh, you know, we like to have shows like this um, yeah. about community and inclusion again, because every, the easiest thing to do is take someone down a peg and spit at them. Right. And you didn't do that. And he didn't okay. thank you. And it's not well, okay. Cassian gave me a, a large amount of empathy for actors and what they need to go through. You know, you're getting a babysitter and, and you know, yeah. missing that job or, or, you know what I mean? Just losing out on that hundred dollar that day, just so you can go out for a commercial that you might or might not get. He gave me so much empathy for the actor. Whereas before, maybe we, I had more empathy for like the director or the producer or the writer. Uh, that gave me you know, I so love much. You said that. Yeah. I love that you said that. So when I got pregnant um, with my now gorgeous, young teenage daughter um i had thought that i was just gonna pop her out we had um you know um oh my goodness care set up when you call it uh you, you know full-time care um sure. daycare we had daycare set up and i was ready to pop her out. i was just gonna be you know boom pop her out run around the campus as we say out here and when she came out of me i fell so madly in love with her that i just couldn't let her go and right. I remember taking her with, with me on one commercial audition where she was fussy and one, like a baby would, because you're not supposed to be out, you're supposed to be napping. And I, and right. I said to my husband, you know what, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a few, a few years off. It ended up being three and a half years. I wanted to just mommy and me class with her and, you know, breastfeed her and do everything in the world that I could <laughs> to be mama. And right. I was the last person on earth. My my friends couldn't get over it. They were like, you're such a worker bee. I get to, is this right. even you? And it was the most special time, you know, of my life. And and I was ready. I mean, I was ready when I was done. I was ready to come back. And it was murder to come back. As you know, right. um, the, the first I think the first people the industry might forget about are, are women in the business. And um, I was very blessed to even have had the credits I had prior to, or it might have been extra difficult. But right. um, parents, no, people have no idea what, what parents go through. Because as you know, if your kid has a yeah. fever or they just threw up on you or, right. you know, your babysitter just canceled, does the production care? Of course they don't because not because they're mean. See, I used to think it was because people were, quote, unsympathetic. That's not true. Right. It's right. because time is money. Right. And they, they don't have time to sympathize with the fact that your kid just has 105 right now because 400 right. other people are, are on set waiting for you. Right. And even as Karen as they are, sometimes they have remote, remote casting where you have the casting director there, but you have the, you have the producers on, on uh, maybe Skype and what have you. 
and they're more annoyed because right. they're not they're not there they're not they don't have any personal connection to that so they're they're more That's annoyed right. than they have a personal connection to your situation whereas the people that are there are like I feel really horrible about this situation that's really well put. You're right. Who knows who, what sitters and, and, and fevers their kids have. And, right. You know, right. Everybody's just doing their best. But, yes, the least you can do if you are including, and God forbid, a car accident or an emergency, the least you can do is reach out to your reps and have them get in touch with people immediately. I, you know, people that are not in the business may not understand, like you and I, Steve, that it doesn't matter if it's a casting session for an AFI film or it's a national right. commercial or it's an HBO set or it's an opening of a Broadway play. You can't leave people waiting because every minute that you do, somebody is not getting paid or something, something right. wrong is happening in the meter running that takes care of so many people. Right. I want to remind our audience right now, because I see a lot of people are, are listening in. If you, if you want to ask any questions, give us a call at 515-602-9609. But I want to, I want to get to uh, Ray Donovan here. Uh, you know, I, it was, I, I love that show a great deal. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and you actually were on uh, several times. Uh, so how, how was it yes, like? Yes, I was very blessed. Well, it was, um, so that, you know, some shows have table reads, some don't. It may be because um, of, of many, many things that we needn't enumerate here. But when I was invited to the table read for that show, uh, the first person who came in the room that day to sit down was Liev Schreiber. And we had the best time because he's a Yale drama school uh, grad like myself. And so we, even though we were X number of years apart, um, we got to laugh and joke about the, the fact that we'd had much of the same faculty and we were joking about the fact that we could have easily rolled around in sweatpants on the floor doing <laughs> warm ups with each other, you know, and that's where it's always fun to be with theater trained people. Um, right. And then, you know, sitting around the table with all of these heavy hitters, you know, you walk into a table read and you see your name is on a place card, right. With your role, right. like it might, you know, um, say John Smith reading the role of Joel and then you look around and you see all these place cards with all these names, you know, and I remember just right. screenshotting that and think and thinking, you know, this is, remember this, this is one of the happiest days of my life. Well, that show did have a lot of theater people in there, you know, and what, what, a one lot. question, do I, yeah, a lot of people, let me, I, I want to ask you this one question, you know, because you did come from theater, you know, theater is really patient and it's really about yeah. being in the moment and being there, yeah. being present for the audience and speaking out for the audience and what have you, do, you, do you see a difference between acting with people that have had that blessing opposed to who, who are those who have not? You know, I really do. And I'm going to even open that up a little. So the old me would have said, oh, theater people are the only, you know, real actors, theater trained people, right? right. That would have been the old me. And it's true that, that, theater trained people have the gift of one thing where, which is when you go to one of these programs like Tish or Yale or Juilliard, the reason that you go is to learn um, discipline ensemble and range. Okay. So you're not going there because, you know, let's say, well, you Steve, like you're selling that your look is sort of an open, cool, arty guy. And you're just going to play that 
in 60 shows from sophomore year to graduating year. You're there to play everything from any gender, any age, any accent, right? And so when you play and are often cast as something that you're the opposite of, um, one of my first roles at Yale Drama School was to play a teenage rapper who comes in on a skateboard and goes climbs up a jungle gym with a you know the hoodie and the whole thing and sure. delivers a rap monologue. Um, I had a total nervous breakdown before that. It was a huge accomplishment. I didn't know how to spit bars back then or right. or um, skateboard or anything. Bars. Right. And so, am I going to get cast as that tomorrow? No, I'm not. But when you go to those places, um, I think this is a Meryl Streep quote. Again, I hate I, not quoting people exactly, but it's something along the line. She also a Yale drama school grad. Yeah. I try to find the role that is, I, I get cast in a role that is seemingly different than who I am and try to find myself in there somewhere. And so that's the beauty of range is that you might think, well, what do I have in common with a madam? Or what do I have in common with a politician? What do I have in common with someone who runs a morgue? What do I have in common with someone homeless? And we all have everything in common with anybody uh, in, if you have empathy. And there's no way to create a performance, right, without empathy. Right. Now, I used to think all, all of that can only happen in theater school. And then, you know, in my years now of coaching quite a bit of youth that may have grown up on set. So one of my clients was one of the youngest to be nominated for a daytime show in the past year or two. And this young man has learned the same discipline of being on time, you know, being off book with 40 pages, right? Um, Right. Whatever the case may be, um, showing up and delivering, no excuses if he's tired of his this or his that. And I have every bit of the same exact respect. When you've been pushed to the limit, it doesn't matter to me if you've grown up on set or you've grown up working on stage. Um, But there's, I have every, you know, or maybe you've grown up your whole life doing commercials, whatever it is, you've been called upon to be in a highly pressurized situation. It would like, it would be like growing up playing for the Lakers. It's the same thing. Highly pressurized situation where all eyes are on you. You've got to deliver. There's no excuses. And you're, and if you can't deliver, you're, you're just going to be asked to leave. So, right. you know, um, the theater school is a wonderful place to do that. So let, it, me, let, let me ask you, you have, yeah. quite, no, please continue. Please. Oh, Michelangelo was asked, you know, how do you, how do you find your, your carving within the stone? And he said, yeah, I love the, that. The, he said, it's already there. I just, I just cut around. The art. And I love that quote so much. It's one yes. of my favorites of all time. Would you, would you say that acting in, in, the, in, in the theater is similar to that? Isn't that a beautiful quote? Um, it's wonderful. Explain to, I would love you to explain to our listeners exactly what that means. What, what I mean is like, so, if, if, a, if a girl is going in there and she's like 17 years old, but she has a play like, right. you know, 23 year old prostitute, but that's not within her range. Right. You know, but it is within her to find that. She just needs to carve around herself to find that person. She just needs to carve around her personality to find that find that character that's within her. See, that's beautifully put. Um, I I will quote one of my late professors 
um, from Yale Drama School, my master teacher, uh, Earl R. Gister. Again, not to misquote, but this is along the line. So when I was at the drama school, one of my classmates had been cast as Hitler in something and felt very uneasy about it because he didn't want people to see him as that. He couldn't have been farther from that personality wise. Right. Right. And I remember our master teacher saying something along the lines of it isn't that it's you, it's that it's your responsibility in this role to show the truth of what this person is. And you've always right. got to be on the side of your character. So for Hitler, in order to play Hitler, anyone from Hitler to Madame to anything to Florence Nightingale, right. you can't be commenting on the character. You can't be, it's not, doesn't require at all that you go out and kill someone or go out right. and sleep with someone. But what it does require is that you, let's say research what this right. character's truth is, and then it makes perfect sense to you in delivering the truth to right. the audience so that the audience can see no one thinks that they're doing something wrong, right? They think they're right. doing something that makes sense right. to them. That people don't think so that. So if I'm a, if I'm a yeah. prostitute, it makes sense to me that I have no other options than to sell myself for money or or exterminate a generation or right. a pyromaniac start a fire or, right. you know, otherwise I'm g- giving you uh, a performance that is commenting on it and right. then it's not the truth. Exactly. It's more of a commentary on the piece instead of you actually being right. the piece, revealing the truth of the character. Right, and you do the audience more service to play the hell out of the truth of it than you do to say, this isn't really me, guys. I don't really right. do this stuff. Yeah, right. nobody wants to see um, that. People want to see the truth of the character. That's right. Have that's you ever had a situation where you're on a set and someone was uncomfortable playing what was yeah, asked of them I, like that? Yeah, I did a movie about, I did a movie called War Baby about World War II and, and Hitler was involved. Mm. I mean, Hitler wasn't a, a character in, in the film, but people had to play Nazis and what have you. And I had one person say, There you go, same thing. Yeah, yeah. they're like, I, I don't, I don't, I, I can't empathize with a Nazi. And I'm like, you either have to, or you don't know what, what the character is. The character, you know, the character is based on this. And, and the person didn't mm-hmm. think they were a bad person. They think that, they thought they were a very good person. They thought they were doing Germany good. I mean, Nazis were only three percent of the population in, in in Germany, and Germany was a well-read country. They were the most educated country in the world at the time. None of those Nazis mm-hmm. thought they were bad people at all, at all. Right. Were they you bad know, people? In, in I'll make, I'll make, that's right. I'll make this interesting correlation. And by the way, when you say like a young person, so this is what I do with young people if they've not. Yep. Ex- experienced something, let's say like something that would be under the umbrella of romance or something sexual and maybe it's extremely appropriate that they've not. Substitution, that's one of many tricks that we have out there. And I've right. asked, you know, young students who have said, hey, I don't know how to play that this that I have a crush on this guy in high school because I've never had a crush. And sometimes we'll say something, I'll say something like, well, then pretend it's a crush on, you know, you, you Instead of talking about him, you're talking about the ice cream sundae you want to dive into or the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or the fabulous that makes you want to dive into. There's, 
there, there's always a way, right? But um, right. when you were saying what you were just saying, it reminded me of another thing where people will say, um, oh, but I don't, you know, like this genre, let's say it's a kid's television show. Let's say right. it's um, a genre that they, for whatever reason, have deemed as less lofty than, let's say, um, you know, Game of Thrones or something. What I'll always say is it's not unlike what you were just saying. Nobody is trying to make something that is quote unquote garbage. Everybody's trying to make a quality product. Everybody's trying (laughs) to exhibit the best writing and acting. And so it makes sense to them, that team on that show. I mean, you, as an actor, it may not be your favorite show, but if you're invited to work on it, and it's something that makes sense, let's say, to your moral compass for whatever reason to play that role. It, it's, it's, you know, I'm not equating it to World War II, but it's no one's trying to make bad art, right? Right. Would right. you agree? I would totally agree with you. They're trying to do great art, you know? And, and you know, I, I remember somebody saying to me when I was doing my film, how can you empathize with a Nazi? And I'm like, you're not empathizing with a Nazi per se, but the character needs to understand okay. where this where this person's coming from or else they can't play that character. They're just they're just doing a clown version of that character. I mean every there's been brilliant serial killer you know um and, and the like uh shows sure. um be it right. I mean my God, I wouldn't even know where to begin from the fall to Beach Hotel, um, which you were on by the way. Bates Motel, exactly. Great point. And and so you know, being a killer of any kind or 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 worse, my God, I've had plen- I've had friends play sexual predators to awards. Right. Again, you know, if you show us the truth, then you're right. actually educating us. Right. Right. You're um, you're, no you're one, releasing. No one wakes up and says, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No one wakes up and what? No one wakes up and thinks like um, I'm a bad person who's going to go do a bad thing today necessarily. I think we all live in guilt and shame about things. But when you're doing that act at that moment, I've got to believe it makes sense to you, whatever it is. Right. Well, I think a show like Dexter is is really one of those great shows that kind of – kind of tells Great you that point. because he he doesn't see himself as a bad person he sees himself as just killing the other bad people and it's like no you're you're, right. you're a murderer dude <laughs> you're you're a murderer <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag murderer dude no, you're absolutely right yeah i mean doesn't the person who let's say is you know, um, God forbid becoming, you know, a, a meth addict. I mean, it, it, that moment, it makes sense to them or they wouldn't be using that, right? I mean, right. It, it, something's got to make sense to you somewhere. And so be it that you're doing it with substitution, being that you're doing it with um, imaginary circumstances. You know, that's another thing is people will say to me, well, you, you've had different training from different schools and different folks and different, you know, which one is the one you recommend? And I always say, um, I don't care how, I, I say this in all my private coachings and class coachings, it doesn't matter to me how you get there. I see all these different acting techniques as, like, as I do religions, which is that it's one path to God or one path to right. outstanding acting. So it's a, if it's a mishmash or only one or one that you abandoned and came back, I mean, who cares as long as the performance is brilliant? 
Well, I want to, I want to talk to you, uh, you know, I want to talk to you about uh, Bates Motel. You know, it's one of my other favorite shows. Please. That, that show is incredible. And I, I did see your episode last Incredible. Time. Yes. So oh, what was you. it like playing on that show? I, I mean, I really loved that show a great deal. And it was very different than a lot of shows that came out at the time. Well, I do want to sort of give a shout out to, um, among, among many, many other people um, that and places and things later, but um, Carrie Aaron, um, who was a co-showrunner on Bates Motel and yeah. head writer and um, on that episode, uh, same thing with showrunner of the morning. Yes, the same thing with showrunner of Morning Show, which of course I got to do just recently and play opposite yeah. Steve Carell. Now, I want to I um, ask you about that in a couple of minutes, but let's just yeah, stay in on a couple of minutes. Um, yeah. When you get to play on a show written by the level of somebody like Carrie Aaron, um, you know, much much like some of these other shows where it's been the best of the best of writing and creative team. Right. I mean, that that was just heaven. Um, she and Carlton Cuse uh, were showrunners on that. And, um, it, you know, he's obviously uh, been the showrunner on, on many, many shows. But sure. Carrie, um, her imagination, you know, it's all about imagination. That's all we can ask people to give us a, as artists. And I remember that Earl Gister at Yale Drama School used to say, the width and breadth of your talent is the width and breadth of your imagination. Wow. And Bates Motel was just an exquisite example, one of many, many shows where they've created their own world there. Some of it is uh, a send-up of Hitchcock. Some of it is their own wonderful imagination, sort of taking that, you know, X number of steps further. And hmm. imaginary circumstances, sort of anachronistic, you know, time zones, um, all of that kind of thing. It, it's so much fun and playing opposite, you know, an incredible actress like Vera Farmiga and just that whole, that whole team was incredible. Um, it was a very confident episode. It, it was very confident. Yeah. It was very streamlined and, and very there. And it, it didn't feel like there was any hiccups at all. What is it like playing in, in, with, with people that well, then I got to be hired to do just that again on the morning show. Yes. Yeah. Do um, you feel a freedom to, play that, to, to almost play that play kind with of it. a role? Yeah. Yeah. I think what what since I'm I'm very often cast. You know, I think typecasting is something that you I, I tell all my students that you just can't take personally. Right. I learned that very very um, much in the beginning of my career that sure you can have range and that's certainly what I want. And, and I'm hoping that I'm bringing levels to my work. And even when you play someone in charge, you've got to find those tiny microseconds where maybe the person feels just a bit like they're not in charge and they better scramble right. to get in charge again or threatened or right. Otherwise it's obviously just sort of robotic. Um, I think that, you can't take typecasting personally and be it that be it that I have, let's say a, a voice that's in a slightly lower tone or that I might come across for lack of another adjective as, you know, educated or urban. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not dying to play roles that are just the opposite. And I haven't played roles that are just the opposite, but I will often get cast as somebody who is, 
coming from some sort of educational background that's led them to being in charge of something. Right. And I always have to be on alert for where those little pinpricks are through the performance that I can give someone who's actually terrified underneath it all that she's not in charge at all, you know? So. Do, do you find that because of your casting that you're very articulate and, and that you do have that, but lone, bar- like almost baritone voice, you, but you're very articulate. So do you, you find that that leads to that situation right there for yourself? Well, that's very kind of you to say. Um, I always say I have um, no education at all, but an education in one thing. And if you look at my Instagrams, I say I have a, um, I have a double degree in make-believe, Steve. And uh, I'm sure you'll shout out my instas after this, but it is we will. a double degree in make-believe. It's a double degree in make-believe, but it's also a double degree in having read um, a mind-numbing amount of plays and you know mm. when I was in high school the only subject that I excelled at of course like so many actors was English because it's the same thing it's storytelling and right you know if if I am in fact articulate at all and I appreciate that because that kind of compliment means quite a lot to me then it's from having been forced to read people who are more articulate than I am and hopefully mm. <laughs> Carry, it carries through <laughs> Well, but so you were a blessing, yeah. It's a blessing and not a curse, huh? No, it's a blessing to be assigned wonderful writers to read, I think, you know, or if yeah. you're a musician, wonderful, wonderful scores and, and composers to have to study. But go ahead, please. Well, I, I think I think it'd be easy to write for a character like yourself. I mean, since you are very articulate, you do seem more Eastern than you do Western. I mean, I would say that, you know, if I were mm-hmm. going to make a judgment call, but it, it would be very easy to write for I a will character take like it. yourself. <laughs> it would be very easy to write for a character like yourself because you do fulfill a, a personality type. You you can fit yes. so many genres. You are articulate, which means that whatever I write, you can read and you can remember. And then even if, even if, if 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 there's a part that or a, a words that are so specific, you can play with it. I know a person like you can play with it. You know, as we say in casting play with it. I know that you can play yes. with it and it can come out even better than it was meant to come out. That's a, that, that's an absolutely lovely thing to say. So different, you know, different acting coaches uh, will coach from different prisms and there's so many acting techniques out there. Right. I coach very much in the way that I would say is not unsimilar to the way um, of learning that might be coined as British into American. So many Brits have been schooled on Shakespeare first and um, all of the things that you need to understand about words, um, alliteration, punctuation, um, what the writer was trying to say very specifically and all of the gems that the writer is giving you just by word choice, punctuation choice, sound choice paragraphs, all of those things. And to me, as an actor, those things are not to be ignored. If anything, if you're ignoring them, then I see it very much like a musician playing off key by ignoring the notes. Right. So in the final performance, I don't want you sitting there thinking about, did I just miss a comma, right? But if we do all of that good, good work before, then yes. Um, there's a million ways to play with writing, be it that it's one line in a commercial or you're, again, playing Hamlet. There's so many gems that a writer is giving you and um, 
that to me is where the fun is and the juice is. I would rather do that than many other approaches as my first approach. Um, I know that's very much a Yale drama school approach and very much a stellar approach of what did the writer set out to to do here? Um, What is this genre? Why are they saying that? Um, My, my uh, one of um, one of the techniques that Earl Gister had was uh, first read, second read, third read of the script. You know how the first read might just be to, see what the heck this thing is, right? And then we might go back to see what the genre was, uh, what what was the writer trying to say? And then, you know, it, are there things like ellipses, dashes, and dots, um, apostrophes, you know, all these things require different things. In Shakespeare class, right. you learn so much about alliteration sounds that go together for certain reasons. So I think if you're ignoring all that, you're missing the fun. Of, of right. acting and it could even like I said it could even be two words and you know two two stock you know uh words in a commercial um but even the you know um even something like um if you remember like uh, the old days of McDonald's not the, I'm, I'm pushing any company over in other words but I'm right. loving it right there might be a reason that that was written that way. And what can you do with that? You know what I'm, I'm saying. I'm sure you sure. found the same things when you're directing. Sure. On set, that it's what's going on. Um, even if the camera is just holding on you, hopefully you're thinking thoughts. Uh, what do you think about that? You know, I think it's very important, uh, you know, to constantly be aware of your surroundings, constantly aware of what you're thinking mm-hmm. and what you're prepared to do. You know, I, I wanted to get into this, because we're running out of time really fast. You know, I, I love talking to you, but we've been talking, we, we're running mm-hmm. out of time. <laughs> you know, you know, before we go into the morning show, I, I wanted to ask you, you, you fit in so many different shows and so many different stations, going from Spike TV to CBS to you're on so many different stations. How does that translate when you, when you're doing your acting coaching time, when you're talking to your students that they have so many options like Netflix, Apple plus Hulu, Amazon. I mean, you're the kind of actress that fulfills every single one of those uh, stations. What do you say to them that about that? That's very kind of you to say. Again, um, I could not be more of a stickler about genre. And to go back to theater school and why I have quite a bit of respect for actors that have gone through theater school is they've been forced by being in theater school, hopefully forced on like loving every minute of it, to look at genres so much in the way that the rhythm and the sound, as you know, I am also a DJ and a drummer, the rhythm and the sound of uh, daytime television, um, you know, network, tele- ne- network um, uh, you know, episodic, be it that it is procedural, you know, or it is, um, you know, multi-camera comedy, single-camera single comedy, um, a kid show, Nickelodeon, right? Those sounds, it, you know, if you just listen to the sound on Nickelodeon, you know, versus Shameless, versus General Hospital. I'm just picking shows out of the blue sky. They all sound differently, right? Just like Tennessee Williams 
sounds differently from Shakespeare, sounds differently from Neil Butte, sounds differently from Teresa Rebeck. It's all genre. So the more you understand genre, the more that's the best thing you could do for yourself, in my opinion, including if sure. you've just grown up on set, is read as many plays as you possibly can to understand genre. Watch as many shows as you can and listen you, to the rhythm. You've done so many different things that, that it fulfills so many different boxes from playing on you know, Charm to on a you know, daytime television show. I mean, it, it's incredible the amount of things that you've done. Um, when talking to your students right now, how do you, how do you tell them how to fulfill that, that genre, that genre um, in hitting this new episodic period in our lives where there are so yeah. many options for you? There's so many options for everybody to go to. Is, is there a lot more hope in acting today? I love, I, 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 I love that question so much, and I'll make it the answer as brief as possible. Yes, there are more genres than ever, but there are more people interested in ever. So in many ways, the competition is the competition has always been what it's always been, which is that back to that Seymour Zillipasner quote, you've got, Hoffman quote, you've you've just got to be at the highest level of your craft. Um, The saying is there's only one thing you can control in the business, only one, which is your personal level of mastery of acting that's it that you're always delivering you know the quality of your own work that's the only thing you can control nothing else you can't make people like you not like you can't make a series take you not take you can't control anything but the quality of your own work right one great way is to use all of these platforms and portals to research and so when I have kids come to me and say um you know I really want to be on a series but I don't really watch much um (laughs) I always say I I I I I will often say well then we got a problem and I'll tell you we have a problem yeah right and I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you why because you can't apply for jobs that you don't know what they are I akin it to being in med school and saying I just want to be a doctor if you don't know what a dermatologist does, right, versus a heart surgeon, versus a podiatrist, versus, a, you know, someone who does spinal taps, you've got to know it's the same thing. If you don't, if you've never watched a soap, never watched commercials, never watched, you know, anything and everything, you've got to research. And part of your homework as an actor is, my gosh, even, for example, the Geffen Playhouse right now is doing something sure. called Geffen Dayhouse. You can watch theater. You can watch commercials all day. You can watch Nickelodeon all day. You can watch gripping procedurals. You can watch um, old, you know, sitcoms from right. another era. You can watch All in the Family. You can watch anything. And, and you, right. you'd only be doing yourself a service to research as much art as you could, in my opinion, as you can. doesn't mean that I want you glued the screen, right? I want sure. you running around outside. I want you creating your own. But if you're applying for jobs and you literally have no idea what they are, what that genre right. is, that doesn't make sense to me. No, I, I was I was casting a movie uh, at the Ocean Park, and every yes. single, well, I had the director and the producer next to me. And every single actor that came in, the, the director would look at me and go, "Do you know this person?" I'm like, "Yeah, this person was on this show." And the next person, do you know this person? This person was on this show and this show and this show. And mm-hmm. he's sort of laughing and he looks at my friend and he goes, I feel like every time I ask 
you know, Steve Aquesh and he's going to know where this person was from. I'm like, I watch, I watch everything. I, I watch everything right. that I can. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I so love that, course, and I love that you know that that's part of your uh, job description. Yeah, it's part of my job. It's part of my job to know where these people are coming from. So I know if this person's right or wrong, whether they're a happy actor, whether they're a sad actor, which, which parts they've played, whether they be right for the part. It's, it's important. I love that. I, will, I have so many friends in casting, and I'll always say, how did you remember that person from that, you know, Sundance film from 10 years ago, they'll say, that's my job. That's part of the job right. description to remember yeah. people, performances, genres, writers. Right. And I think that's a lovely thing to have to remember. I'd rather remember that than math equations, not just right. math people, but. <laughs> right. No, and I, I, I admire what they do because I, I myself, I'm not, I'm not an actor. I mean, I'll do, I will act out a part for behind this, behind the camera for, for a scene. But I'm not an actor, and I really admire what they do. I really admire the actions they take and and the risks they take in order to be the people they need to be to fit those parts. So when I see them, of course I'll remember things. What do you mean by risk? Because that's my favorite thing to hear. What do you mean by risk? Because I love that phrase. You know, the risk of looking like a fool, the risk of of being vulnerable. vulnerable vulnerable, the risks of, of, you know, not feeling like you did very well, even though you did, or, or not fitting the part that you wish you did. There's a lot of risks an actor takes uh, during, I love during that. Because that, what I say yeah. to, that's right. But what I say to my students is we get paid the big bucks to feel things that people don't want to feel. It's just that right. simple. It's uncomfortable. That's it's right. Like you, lo- like you lost your a, child or you're I was just going to say that. You know what I mean? Or like you're a drug addict or a prostitute. That's right. You have to feel those emotions. You need to get into that person's head. That's that's what a lot of homicide detectives do when they arrest somebody. They need to get in the head of of a murderer in order to catch a murderer. That's a brilliant comment. I could not agree with you more with every single thing you're saying. And a lot of that, those feelings are, are, are uncomfortable. And they usually come from where all the good acting teachers I know say things should come from. Places right. like, you know, it's heart, but it's diaphragm. It's tummy. It's places where it feels squishy and yucky to us. It's not like putting on a cozy sweater and getting into a ball. <laughs> right. 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 It's, anything, it's anything but. It's like being yeah. pushed into an icy lake stream and screaming, you know, for your life. Right. So I, I saw a, a, a friend of mine who, play, who played a character in, in a movie, and she played a, an alcoholic that got into very uncomfortable sexual situations. And at the end of the movie, yep. she, she, was, she was gang raped. And it's a very popular movie. Mm. And it, it made me feel incredibly, sure. un, it made me feel incredibly uncomfortable. I'm incredibly it made, vulnerable. Yeah, it made me crawl on my skin. I was very uncomfortable. I was very upset, and she, she herself was incredibly upset about the whole entire situation. Meaning that she just she had to feel the character out. But I think I was more okay. angry than she could ever be at what that character put herself into. I'm like, how could that character do that? How could that character put herself in that situation? Because it's called acting. You know, it's like, well, it was you know what, what a gift, what a gift from that actress yeah. to give us yeah. and what an incredibly generous gift of her to give us to see the truth of what yes. that looks like. That's like 
you know, Christmas and right. Hanukkah times one billion, right? Right. She gave she us broke, that gift of this oh, is, yeah. this is broke, what this looks like. Yeah. 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 That's real. Yeah. That's real stuff. That's real feelings. Good. That is. That is. And feelings are so underestimated these days because of technology. And yet the irony is, you know, what is one of the few things that is pulling people through right now, right? It's music, right. art, performances. Um, it was interesting because I'm part of uh, a group, um, one of many groups that I'm part of. One is called Yale and Hollywood, and it has many people in the entertainment field all over the entertainment. And there was um, an interview with two composers. Uh, I don't think they knew each other, but they were talking about that they write music from a place of empathy. And I thought that was so fascinating because I, it never occurred to me that you might, might write music from a place of empathy. I thought maybe you're only performing from that place or writing, right. you know. And so all of that, if you're going to put yourself in an empathetic position, then you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position. They're the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you, and we want you, to watch that. We do want to watch that. You know, it, it allows the heart to open up. It allows us to open up okay. as people and to feel what the other person's feeling. Um, that is a, that is a uh, I don't know, a gift. It's a gift that's it's really hard to give for some people, I, I see. But given the right like – yeah. I just watched um, – I forgot the film. It's, it's uh, Unorthodox. And mm. there, was a, there was a guy who played Shlomo uh, – not Shlomo, but uh, Moshi. Moshi. In, in, yes. In, yeah. He, he, I, yes, he I know exactly sh- the film. You know what I'm saying? Was it performance? He pissed me off. I mean, four episodes. He pissed me off and made me feel so uncomfortable. Every, I mean, he yep. was always every time a woman was on set, he go against that. He was such a misogynist. And then I thought to myself, right. what a what a great actor, what a great actor right. this person is to make me feel these things that are not him. This is a show. <laughs> For a second there, I forgot this was a show. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's what. That's what. That's what. Much like. Um, you know, much like, uh, as, as, as again, just to quote my uh, late teacher, uh, master teacher, old gister, you know, it's yeah. playing pretend. He used to say, just like when you would run around the house playing the good guy and the bad guy, it's just yeah. pretend, you know. Um, but you are feeling those feelings and you're getting lost in them and you want to deliver it up to your parents yeah. who are screaming with delight or, you know. Right. Whatever the case may be. And I think that these days with technology and my gosh, in this pandemic, everything, everyone's so isolated right. that we're dying to look at, at people that are going to make us feel things. Um, right. Because we may not know how to feel anything ourselves right now, or we need that escape, as they say, right? That escape. I think right now it's very difficult for people to know what to feel. A lot of what people are feeling is fear. And I think one of the reasons why they like watching a lot of this, uh, you know, trash television, I think, to a certain extent, is because it's, yeah. making them, it's making them feel better than the situation of real life is making them feel. Yes, and I have no judgment whatsoever on someone that Zero. says, you know what, it's, it's not game of thrones for me tonight. It's, you know, uh, a reality show. Um, right. They're not my favorite genre. I, I stand by the fact that um, reality shows can, are entertaining, but much like documentaries, I think that, you know, we all know that it's very, it's very difficult to create a documentary, which means that you have no point of view as the person running camera whatsoever, that it's just right. a documentary. 
Right. So outside of that, it's definitely somebody's vision. And it's, in, you know, I mean, who, who am I to judge on? What, I mean, I, I like to sit in bed eating barbecue potato chips. Maybe someone's <laughs> going to think that that's trash. You know, that's fine. Whatever, sure. whatever gets you through, you know, whatever gets you through. Um, I, I, I have all kinds of things on my playlist from what people might consider junky pop to brilliant, you know, brilliant right. all time artistry of all time. Um, whatever gets you through is fine, but I will say that, you know, why not challenge yourself during this time to watch something different than you've ever watched? Um, right. My husband loves documentaries more than anything in the world. And it won't necessarily be my first thing that comes on my mind that I might watch, but usually right. when he picks one, I'm like, Oh my God, I have no idea that those people you know, we're dealing with water pollution in that small town that was unreported. And look at this, it's fascinating. I mean, you never know. And that might lead you to playing a character or writing something. You never know. You know, let's, let's end on, on General Hospital. General Hospitals, it, it, you know, first of all, it's been a, around forever. But it's, and yes, it's, an it excellent, it's an excellent TV show. And it really, it, you know, for a lot of people, especially in Australia, it, it is the beginning of your career. Well, you've done it recently, actually, but for a lot of people yeah. like in Australia, you know, where, they, where they've done what Brothers or whatever show they do or Townsies, it's the beginning of their career to, to show what their acting chops are. How, how, yeah. is, how is acting on that set today in, in this world right now? Well, it was an incredible blessing. Um, I believe General Hospital had their 67th anniversary. Um, wow yesterday and when the week I was on I think for that particular there was another anniversary the week that I was on that was a very special anniversary um I was so lucky um along um so when an actor gets what's called a straight offer it's an honor and um those casting folks Mark Teschner who's been um, a casting director of that show forever and ever and ever and ever an awarded casting director. And then um, his partner, Lisa Booth, they offered me, that was a straight offer. And um, it was quite a thrill and quite a challenge. It was a 24 page scene, um, five scenes, uh, tons and tons of dialogue, 24 pages of dialogue for me as a, New New York. Wow. Uh, because they have a they have a they have a story running Congress with their story in Port Charles about there's a there's a storyline going in in Brooklyn. So anyway, long story short, it's very much the kind of thing I play of detective, lawyer, cop, person in charge. Um, but I was so honored, and when then I saw the amount of verbiage, I thought, well, I mean, I just. I better bring my A game and I better be letter perfect. I don't care that I don't usually shoot 24 pages in one take because right. soaps are one take. Right. Um, I thought and it was funny. I was actually in New York um, at the time um, uh, going ahead and um, signing with my New York representation. And I flew back to do this job and then came back to New York to finish up meetings there. And um it was yet just another wonderful challenge. Um, there's no rehearsal. There's no, there's no time for anything. It runs like right. a well-oiled machine. It was definitely like strapping yourself into a roller coaster ride. Um, and to just give a shout out again to a super classy show. Um, that is a show that's unusual and that casting can see some of the show in real time while it's being filmed. 
And so then when I was signing out for the day and uh, casting called me in and said, you know, we just want to tell you that you knocked it out of the park. I mean, that was one of those moments where I was like, nice. that is so special because you, you know, that you often don't ever yeah. necessarily hear from casting again. Um, no way. And yeah. then, and not at all. And then when it aired, uh, well, Mark and Lisa texted me during the time it was airing saying, I hope you're watching right now. You're killing it. And I thought like, that's like one of, I, I said, I don't know about you guys, but for me, this is like Cinderella going to the ball. Like I, this is right. everything for me. Like I can't imagine anything lovelier than while the show is airing, having casting reaching out to you that they're watching you and that, you know, they really approve of your performance. It just felt um, like an honor to me because all these good folks, are killing themselves to make good television. It doesn't matter what oh, the series are. is. You know the hours on TV or yeah. on a commercial. Yeah. What are the hours it's, like, Steve? It's like it's, <laughs> it's eighteen-hour days. Uh, you know, yes, and, it is. there's no amount of craft services that's going to make up for that time. And these guys have been that's doing right. stuff for so long. Like you said, it's a well-oiled machine. They know what they want. They know what they don't like. And if you're not, if you're not up to par, if you're not in a straight line. You're you're crooked to them, so it, it, it you That's need right. to be on your on your best when you're working with these people, especially since they've been doing it for so long. That's exactly right, and they had actually gotten my reel of my spot on Morning Show where I play Steve Carell's financial manager, and they had passed it to their EP, who then offered me the role along with casting, and it was it was just a bunch of lovely things coming together, and. Um, Straight offers always make you feel like somebody out there loves you. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. That's, that, that's so fantastic. I mean, th- those are really hard jobs to get, like you said. Very difficult things to uh, to accomplish. They are, and they're worth every minute of it. You know, as some of my clients said, aren't you going to be in hell? And I said, are you kidding me? That's just, I'm on vacation. <laughs> I know. That's some, that's some person's hell. That's some person's heaven right there. I mean, I would, con- I would consider that for an actor's, an actor's dream. Absolutely. I think when they mean hell, I think what they mean is just like, how are you going to stuff all those lines in your head? And what about, I (laughs) I talk about this a lot in my one-on-one coaching, which is, this is actually a very important question. How do you, uh, what are your tricks for memorization? Hopefully you have many of them because I've called upon all kinds of personal tricks. What are your tricks for self-managing stress, desperation, fear, paranoia? and, And if you're not experiencing any of those, that doesn't, ring true to me everybody I've seen even the biggest stars in the world that day come on set and be like wow I don't even know if I'm off book with this thing or I don't even know if they're gonna they just announced season two I don't even know what they're doing with my character I mean every you know right. you know the fear paranoia sure. so how do you manage all those feelings and manage delivering a performance with others a different set of feelings that those are very real challenges it's no they are. No, it's not. It's not for a great actress like yourself, but I'd imagine for somebody else, it must be really complicated. Well, uh, you know, I, I and I, I appreciate that. I mean, a compliment like that means everything to me, Steve, and that's very kind. I, I'd like to think of myself as somebody who, at least, the the older I get, the more respect I have for the craft, for the discipline, for. The teachers in charge. I mean, uh, we all, us young actors, sometimes we can grow up um, feeling um, less less grateful to all the people that we should be feeling grateful to in the moment. Right. 
and we well, can consider- throw ego around and laziness. And as time goes on, you realize that everybody is killing them to make right. art, right? Be it your Shakespeare teacher, be it your Alexander teacher, you know, Alexander technique teacher, your commercial on-camera callback class teacher, you know, your uncle teaching you editing because he works in an editing bay. All these people are giving of themselves, you know, professions that you'd have to kill yourself to be successful at. Right, right. Well, we we talked a lot about your 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 coaching of actors and what have you. Do you. Considering all of your experience, do you consider yourself a a tough acting coach? A a uh, yeah. That's a, a really one. well. That's a really, that's a really interesting question. Um, I'll always consider myself an actor. Um, uh, first. Um, and I one of my many hashtags is um, and. I'm the actor who, so I always hashtag actor who coaches actors. So I personally don't like to be seen as um, a guru or um, I've been taught by the best of the best of the gurus and they're, they're more, there were more of them and some left and I don't need a a young person um, or some, or a peer my age to think of me as that. I don't like, to coach from that prism. I like to coach from the prism of we're both in this together. So I'm going right. to see your 15 page audition for let's say euphoria as mine. And we're going to just figure out how in the heck we're going to get off look with this by tomorrow and have it be special together right. as if it were mine. And I find that to be a better approach. Um, in the olden days, I think you might have the glory of going to a place that would tear you down. For example, Stella Adler right. used to throw folding chairs at us. Sure. Um, I loved every minute of it. I mean, I loved going in the bathroom with my girlfriends at Stella Adler's and screaming and crying after scenes that, you know, <laughs> are we going to be thrown out on the street? You know, should we, right. maybe we're not even artists. Maybe we don't deserve to breathe. I mean, all of that was sort of a fabulous, heroic approach to acting. And I miss those days, right? Right. But now that time is money and stakes are so high, not that they weren't back then, but they're, they're, they're more that way than ever. No one has time to coddle or, or anyone or work through anything with anybody. So I like um, my space with my, be it that I'm teaching a class or one-on-one to be a profoundly safe place where I encourage you to make every mistake in the book. I, I'll often say to a, someone who's new to me, Okay, let's just pretend that this run, this first read of it, let's just say right now that it's just going to suck. I'll suck, you suck, let's just suck, and then we get that one off the table. Rather than me saying, let me see what you've got, whether or not you're even worthy to be here, and whether or not you even know. I'll see right away whether or not they really want this. And over time, if it doesn't seem like they want this, I might gently say to them, Let's look at this together, because if you don't want this, if this isn't bringing you joy, is there another area of the business that you love? And if so, that's fine. We need really talented producers. We need talented reps. We need talented line, you know, makeup artists. I mean, if you want to be the head of your, there's no pecking order, right? Um, We need talented costume designers. You don't, if you don't want to be an actor, that's great news to me. Right. (laughs) you don't have to prove a damn thing to me. So right. I don't want people to think I'm some fancy anything. I want them to feel safe. Right. Safe enough to just be like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing with this. 
and this here goes nothing, but I'm just going to try this in a crazy accent just because uh, I am. And even though I'm not going to go in the audition room like that, I think it might free me. You know what? Have at it. Let's see what it does. Why not? I mean, I'll suggest everything all over the place, but I want you, I mean, as as you and I know, brilliance comes out of mistakes, right? Right. All the time. Well, now now that, you know, we have more of an occupation space and, you know, we're doing a lot of social distancing right now, has your, how's your coaching changed? Are you doing things on Zoom now or FaceTime? How are you? you? That's that's really, really lovely. So when people do follow me on um, two platforms at Elizabeth Greer Actress, I'm sure you'll send those out later, and at Elizabeth Greer Coach, uh, you will see the platforms that I have right now two entirely different sold out Zoom um, group classes going. And then I also have all of my one-on-one coaching going as well. So what might one-on-one be? One-on-one might be for an audition that you have that you don't necessarily want to do in a class and you want that 30 minutes, that hour to be all about your taping your guest or your recurring. And I have ways to do that virtually as well. And for us to look back at takes, right? Um, it right. might be that you um, want to use this time to know exactly what it's going to feel like to audition on a regular basis, and we do a mock casting session privately. It might be that you are coaching right now for your application for BFA, MFA stuff. And in those cases, it's up to four monologues that are contrasting, sometimes Shakespeare. Um, I'm often doing a business overview or a scholastic overview with parents on, you know, I, I, I don't do, I have anything to do with admissions or anything like that, nor do I have any pull anywhere. Um, but I can help your actor to be the best that they can be for the audition part, in my opinion, you know, of what can bring out the best in them or give an audition for any of those things. It might be for an award. Um, there's, um, there's a company called Spotlight, and they do uh, awards and scholarships. They're one of many young arts. Um, I have kids coaching for that kind of thing, for awards and scholarships. So could be for any of those things. And I, do, I have been very blessed to be as busy as ever on all of those platforms. So if anyone nice. wants to um, IG, private message me on either of those platforms, well, be, before we go, I mean, let, let's, just get, let's get straight into that. How can we reach you through all of your platforms? I mean, that, that's something my audience is asking me right now through, through this Twitter sphere is how can they be in contact? Now, I know Elizabeth Greer is, is you have, a, you have a, a webpage with your name on it right there. So that's one way I to do. reach you. That is one way to reach me. So when you see Steve, let me see that. Um, I'm looking at my own signature right now. So my coaching page would be um, coach dot Elizabeth Greer, and I'm sure you'll spell that out for people, yeah. um, or I will E L I Z A B E T H G R E E R dot com, and so you can find about all things coaching there. If you would like to hire me as an actor, which would um, be a lovely thing to discuss, you can reach out to my rep. Um, all of whom can be found on my IMDb page or my IMDb Pro page. Again, it's Elizabeth Greer. And my reel, my 2020 updated reel is there as well. Uh, I always prefer that you reach out to my representation. And 
And um, lastly, I think you know that some of my hobbies are drumming and DJing. Maybe we can talk about That's that right. on another We didn't session. have a chance to talk about your drumming or DJing at all. I mean, we, we talk so much about other things. There's so much we, we, need, we needed to talk about. Hopefully, I'll have you on a second time. We can talk about just I would absolutely music. love that. Yeah, I mean, so there's I so have interesting a really to talk fun about. thing going. Yeah, right. I have a really fun thing call, um, going called hashtag content, hashtag by Coogs. That's my DJ name, C-O-U-G-Z. And right. we're just sort of playing with that because I find the, the word cougar, which is something I will often play to be just kind of hilarious. <laughs> I hope people understand this because it's summed up. And the picture I use for that is a picture of a cougar out in wildlife because I just think it's all lots of fun and silly. And that's where right. I post um, my SoundCloud mixes that I've mixed um, with my DJ friends, uh, a little shout out to Scratch Academy that where I took my DJ lessons. I also take private drumming lessons, um, everything from drumming on a real kit to an electric kit to I do um, African drum lessons. So it's all part of beat and rhythm. And that's very much, again, the way the purpose of uh, the prism right. I coach through when I'm looking at writing beat, rhythm, genre, it's all back to the musicality of things. Nice. So, and you have a, you have a Twitter you have as well. You, I know you have an Instagram. But I, you do. Have a well. I do. Nice. I do. Um, I'm on there a little bit less, but I would be thrilled to, if anyone wants to reach me on any of these platforms. And nice. that is at MC Lizzie G. So that's spelled at M, capital M, capital C, Lizzie, L I Z Z Y G. Nice. Nice. So, at Elizabeth Greer Actress, at Elizabeth Greer Coach, at MC Lizzie G would be able to cover it all. It was a pleasure talking um, to you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to, uh, to speak. I mean, it's almost two hours now. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, yeah. a lot of times people think it's going to be an hour, maybe 45 minutes. But when you really get talking, especially if it's interesting, it goes on to two hours a lot of times. But it was, it was anything you want to leave us with? Well, I do want to say that um, my DJ friends and I are constantly in a weekly game of uh, sharing and creating playlists. If you go to my Instagram today, you will see uh, something I have going just with my DJ friends. And it's super fun to be friends with people who are not actors, but are professional DJs. I've been so blessed to meet so many DJs that have respect for my taste. And um, I've been curating music since uh, in that genre since I'm 15, from disco funk all the way through whatever came out yesterday in rap, hip hop, trap. So it's not right. quote unquote the oldies. It's it's everything from 72 to 2020. Right. And we play uh, we play a game where we swap different grooves and we create playlists once a week, and then they I post them on my. IG and uh, have a listen, follow on SoundCloud, hit me up if you like, if you're a DJ and you'd like to be part of all of this fun or you're just a music lover. Um, it's my salvation and my happy place. And I mix at home on my turntables, on my Newmark turntables and um, edit and create things with all my DJ friends and drummer friends. And it's, it's a gift from heaven. We can't wait to listen to that. We can't wait to, to, Watch all your successes. Listen to your music. We can't wait to reach out to you. Elizabeth Greer, thank you thank so much you, for joining Steve. us today. Oh, it, it was, was a pleasure. It was an honor to be here. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have yourself a great weekend. Oh, whoa, what happened to my audience?
There you go. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bless you, and have yourself a great weekend. Can't wait to chat again. Thank you, Steve. Bye-bye. Well, that was Elizabeth, Elizabeth Greer. What an amazing human being. You know, when you get these kind of people, special human beings who understand acting, who understand producing, who understand directing, like Elizabeth Greer, who've been to such established schools like Yale, and schools in New York, and, and her acting coaches. I mean, there's so many genres she's been part of and so many things she's contributed to. To have her as an acting coach would be such a blessing. To have her as a guest was such a blessing. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. I could have talked to you literally for another two hours. What a great conversation. Talk about the shield. Talking about all the shows she was part of. My favorite one was The West Wing, myself. Do you have a favorite show she was part of? Why don't you go and leave your messages right here in the uh, message board? Remember, you can reach her at elizabethgreer.com. She was also on Instagram and Twitter. What a great personality. Thank you so much for joining us today. So giving, so thoughtful, so lovely. What a great person. And this time right now when we're aching and we're in pain and we're suffering, it's great to have somebody that has the ability to share so much love and compassion and empathy Elizabeth Greer, thank you so much. And I ask you guys to do the same thing. Through these tough times, to show compassion, love, and empathy towards your neighbors, towards strangers, towards yourself. Compassion, love, empathy. Love yourself. Love your neighbor. Love that stranger. Take this time to think about those moments. Take this time to think about what you need to do in the future. When the future opens up, when everything opens up, what are you going to do? Are you going to be the same old person? Or are you going to be compassionate, loving, and have empathy more than you ever had before? And you can finally hold somebody, shake their hands, hug somebody. these important times we need to think about ourselves and think about other people you could be 10 you could be 50 we don't know how long we're going to last tomorrow is not guaranteed what is guaranteed is the love that's in your heart the 
compassion that you show other people, the empathy you have for these human beings. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Our guest today was Elizabeth Greer, such an incredible human being. We were blessed to have her on. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. I'm so blessed to be here. And you are the audience. Thank you for being here today. I love you all. I bless you all. I hope you're safe. I hope you're with people who love you. I hope you love them back. Thank you for listening. We'll be talking soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.